You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. You're listening to Halford and Bruff. The Bills emerge victorious with a 31-17 victory. He goes with a backhander. Stops it, and I got two words for you. I cry. I'm mad, and I'm pulling out the monster out of me now. Well, I mean, it's been a hell of a trip. Good morning, Vancouver. 6.01 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios of beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. A-Dog, good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Figured it out, eh? Found something, put it there. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour one of the program. Hour one is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. They recycle, you get paid. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Kintech! Big show on a Tuesday. Guest list begins at 6.30. Uh, filling in for Greg Wyshynski. And congrats to Greg and family. A new addition to the family. Greg's on paternity leave for the next couple of weeks. Uh, Kristen Shilton, ESPN's senior NHL writer, is going to join the program. Uh, she will capably fill Wish's shoes on a Tuesday as we go around the National Hockey League. Uh, at 7.30, Mike Tannier, our NFL insider from The Messenger. Busy day yesterday, obviously. A pair of wild card games. The divisional round is set. Bill Belichick's interviewing for jobs in Atlanta. I don't know what's going on. Up is down, left is right. Nothing makes sense. Yeah, the Seahawks have a few, uh, have reportedly interviewed a few coaches too, including Dan Quinn. So I can't wait to get Mike Tannier's uh, take on uh, whether or not the Seahawks should hire Dan Quinn. Uh, Eight o'clock, Brendan Batchelor, play by play voice of the Vancouver Canucks on Sportsnet 650. You heard him yesterday, right after our show. It was very strange driving around Mm -hmm. post show, listening to Batch and Randeep call the game. Canucks lose the final of a lengthy road trip. In Columbus, we'll talk to Batch about that. He gets a few days off before they're back in action against the Coyotes on Thursday. We have two giveaways once again. We just this show is now just it's like a, a suitcase on a long trip. We're just jamming everything we can into it. <laughs> and, and then give it and then give it away. Giving it away at the end. Uh, so the first prize is a big football game prize pack. That is a table for you and five of your friends, plus a one hundred dollar gift card. Uh, and you get to meet some Sportsnet 650 personalities. I use that term loosely. Uh, Clayton Public House, <laughs> Sunday, February 11th for the big football game. Today we're going to a little bit more in order. It's all going to be what we learns, okay? If you want the big football game tickets, put a football emoji into your text. Now, all due respect to the big football game giveaway, our other giveaway this is a big one, Jason. This is this is this is the one. Yeah. We are giving away a pair of tickets to see the Canucks and Leafs on Saturday, January twentieth, hockey day in Canada. Four o'clock start uh, from Rogers Arena. So if you want to see the Canucks and Leafs on Saturday, put a ticket emoji into your what we learned. Now here's the thing. Competition is gonna be fierce. I can already tell. Who doesn't want to go to the Leafs game, right? It's one of the bigger marquee games on the calendar. Make it good. Hashtag it WWL. 
What did you learn over the last 24 hours in sports? Let us know. Hashtag it. If you want the tickets to the big football game party, uh, put a ticket emoji into your text. And if you want Canucks tickets, or sorry, football game, football emoji. Canucks tickets, ticket emoji. It's not my fault. There's too much stuff. I'm, I'm not giving away too much I'm not judging you. I'm not judging you. You just screw it up every day. We're giving away. And it's hilarious and it's funny. Too much stuff. Two, uh, there's two things. Brendan Bachelor at 8, Mike Tannier at 7.30, Kristen Shilton at 6.30. That's the guest list. Okay, if you want hockey tickets, the football emoji. Very, very important. If you want the hockey tickets and the football tickets, a pizza emoji. Correct, yeah. <laughs> Can't make, be any clearer than that. That won't screw it up. Okay, without further ado, Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? What happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance. Making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. After a very lengthy and tumultuous at the end travel-wise road trip, Vancouver Canucks finally lost the game. Their five-game winning streak ended not long after we were off the air yesterday. A 4-3 shootout loss to the Columbus Blue Jackets at Nationwide Arena on Monday morning. Yeah, the Canucks got a point out of it. Well, it wasn't. It was Monday afternoon in Columbus. Uh, but the uh, the Canucks finally didn't win after taking a lead into the th- third. Losers. They are now twenty six zero and one after taking a lead into the third period. Credit to the Columbus Blue Jackets, who usually suck, but didn't yesterday. They, they tried hard, hard yesterday. They tried hard. Um, and I guess congratulations to Elvis Merzlikens who was pretty pumped for the win. Um, he returned to the Columbus net and uh, celebrated the shootout win like he just won the Stanley Cup. But, uh, I mean, credit to him. That was a big win for him as he looks to not be on the Columbus Blue Jackets anymore. Damn, what a, he had a very eventful postgame media availability. He did his walk-off interview. It was Bally Sports, right? And kind of went crazy in that one. Yeah, was, can, we, can we actually hear that right now? You know what? Let's just hear some Elvis right now. I, I mean, I don't really know exactly what the um, circumstances were other than he later announced that he had officially requested a trade right. from Columbus. So the man was fired up after getting his first win, having not played for a while. Elvis Merzlikens, everybody, following a 4-3 shootout win over the Vancouver Canucks. Elvis, there's been a lot of talk in the in the days leading up to this game. How good did it feel to go out there and let your, your play speak for itself? Well, it definitely was an easy game for me. Uh, I didn't play it a while. And, you know, I, I, like, like when I was talking back there, I, I said, like, when I gonna have my chance? I have to. I'm not gonna have time. I have to get right away in uh, in the moment in the game, and uh, and I try doing that. I did not like my third goal in PK, uh, but I take it because again I didn't play a while. I, I'm in the start of the game. I did not feel well. The puck each period was better and better, better. Third period was awesome. Overtime and, and, and the penalty shots, I'm really happy about it. Yeah, I mean, as the game rolled out, that's the perfect scenario for you because you were feeling at your best when you needed to be, right? I'm just mad, I'm going to tell you honestly. I'm mad and I'm pulling out the monster out of me now. How did it feel in that overtime when not only were you perfect in the overtime, but the shootout you handled brilliantly? Sorry? The, the shootout you handled brilliantly. Uh, there, there was no other choice as a win. I needed this win. I needed this win, and I got it, and now I'm laughing. Now you can go celebrate a little bit. A lot. A lot. Thanks for the time, Elvis. Thank you. 
Instead of celebrating, I'm going to go request a trade publicly. That's exactly how that ended up. I enjoy how he had that monster line, and the interviewer was clearly not ready for yeah. that one. I, he, I felt like he was just about to say, like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, yeah. I'm a follow-up on the monster. Yeah, yeah. say that again, please. Um, Merzlikin said that he didn't like the third goal that Yet another goal and point for Elias Pettersson. That was on the power play. But the Canucks overall, they look like a, like a team at the end of a marathon road trip that just had to deal with some adverse travel and then play an afternoon game, which they weren't used to. And they look like that because that's exactly what they were. The Canucks were outshot 36-16 to 16 over the final 45 minutes. Thanks to IMAC for that stat. And... Um, you know, Casey DeSmith did his best in goal, uh, and he played pretty well in the shootout as well. Um, Kirill Marchenko with a great move. Yep. With a sneaky move where he kind of just like, I don't know, shuffleboarded the puck into the net behind uh, Casey DeSmith when DeSmith wasn't ready. But DeSmith played well. Maybe you don't like the goal that tied the game. It was a wraparound. It just, I don't even know how the puck went in. Um, 41 saves. You but listen, a good game. overall... You know, JT Miller, after the game, said, listen, it was a good road trip. We came together as a team, won in some really fun environments uh, against some hard teams. We just didn't play well today. There's no lot, there's, there's, there's not a whole lot to like about it, if I'm being honest. That was just kind of a dud for us. He looks like you, Point Dexter. Um, Tockett said, hell of a trip. I'm really proud of the guys, and I've got to give them a lot of credit. Digging hard to even get this point. So the road trip in conclusion, the Canucks go 5-1-1. One, and one. It featured the return of the lotto line and poor, perhaps more excitingly, more talk of actually competing for a Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. I know my opinion changed of this team during, the, during those, let's say the four games between Newark and, or including Newark, the New York games and the Pittsburgh games. Um, before then, it was just a very impressive turnaround season. Sure. And I think it's two things. Number one, and most importantly, how well the Canucks played on this trip, how many games they won, but also how well they played. And the growing sense out there that there's no dominant team in the league. Now, one might emerge and one might be emerging right now in Edmonton, but the Oilers have done this before, and I think we all look at that Oilers lineup and we understand why they can be so good at times, but we also know that they have a few, they have an Achilles heel or two. Yeah, it's called the Canucks. On that too, Boom. on that team. Well, no, but more just like, can they play the right way when it counts? And also their goaltending. And um, I think one more thing that's gotten us kind of excited for the trade deadline and what's to come is that, you know, we all remembered and we keep getting reminded by the likes of Rick Dollywall and Elliot Friedman that Jim Rutherford is in charge of this team and he's been known to swing for a fence or two. Mm-hmm. Um, what were your thoughts overall from the road trip? Yeah, and well, huge disappointment that they finally lost for the first time this season. <laughs> huge tra- disappointment. It might have ruined the entire thing for me. You said your opinion changed. My opinion's changed now. They're not perfect anymore. And that's what we were striving for at the end of this thing. Um, I, You know what? I do actually kind of want to play the audio from Tockett because he understood that 
the guys, although it was a dud, as JT Miller put it yesterday, there's still some credit that needs to be given to the team for scrapping a point. And on the surface, you'd say, why would you be happy about scrapping a point out of playing one of the worst teams in the National Hockey League, allowing three goals and then losing in the shootout? But this was a very, very integral trip for a lot of different reasons. And having it closed the way that it did, uh, good on Rick Tockett for pointing out that it was a positive overall. Here's the head coach in his walk-off interview with uh, Kate Pedersen following the 4-3 loss to the Blue Jackets on Monday. Well, I mean, it's been a hell of a trip. You know, it's like I said, you know, there's been a lot thrown at the guys. Um, and you could tell, you know, men- mentally fatigued. But um, like I said, you know, to grind out a point at this stage, uh, the seventh game going home. So I think it's just a nice to get ho- get on that plane and get uh, get home. Yeah, safe to say everyone's ready to go. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, you, can, you know, it's a, it's a long trip, you know. And, you know, it's just guys to see their families and stuff like that. It's been a while. So it's been two weeks. So it's nice to get home and... Uh, kind of reboot reboot ourselves hell of a trip got really proud of the guys and you know you got to give them a lot of credit i mean uh, you know digging hard to even get this point so i you kind of go back over the seven games on the trip and really ticked so many boxes right five one and one record tremendous the way that they won those first few games after coming off the loss to St. Louis. I thought that was really profoundly important because it wasn't necessarily that there were huge question marks or major questions being asked about this team after St. Louis, but if you remember all the way back to then, the offense kind of sputtered a little bit in that game. Talk it spoke and good on him for going to the lotto line the very next game. Now, if we look back on the 2023-2024 season in its entirety, I think this trip is going to be remembered for that primarily and almost maybe above anything else is that this was the trip where the lotto line got back together. Yeah, whether or not it stays together, this will be remembered as the trip that the, the lotto line trip. dominated. And Elias Pettersson yesterday was named the NHL's first star of the week. Right. Um, well, that was, sorry, not to cut you off, but also on this trip, this was the one where five guys yeah. got named to the All-Star game. This mm. was the trip where Rick Tockett was named one of the head coaches at the All-Star game. So it was a bit of a coronation as well. Yeah. This was the this was the peak of the season. You've just enjoyed it. It's all downhill from there. See, I didn't want to say yeah, it out loud. It's over now, guys. That's why, that's why I let Mr. Shackett over here do the, <laughs> here, the, come the, the negative, in, yeah. here come the injuries and the bad news. Just Andy, be, kidding. Andy, be sure to clip that and put it on the internet. Did uh, you get all that? Yeah, yeah, hey, dog. You brought out the lunatics with your uh, excerpt the other day, but that's Oof. fine. I said it, so whatever. Yeah. Uh, interesting note, I thought, from the Columbus game, and I noticed this as I was watching it, um, Kuzmenko kept playing, which is a weird way to put it, but with the Canucks protecting a lead in the third period for almost, actually a little over than half the third period and then playing in, obviously, a tight game, uh, on the road, Kuzmenko played almost six minutes in that period. Um, part of it might have been team fatigue with Tockett wanting to use all his players and recognizing <laughs> it was, that it was like, a Kuzmenko opportunity. No, yeah, it was like with yeah. recognizing that all his 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 players were pretty tired. Um, you know, as well as the Lotto line played for a stretch. I don't think they've been as effective in their last few games. Um, and maybe that's the other team, you know, realizing like, oh, we got to check that those guys. Um, but I did think Kuzmenko actually had more jump than usual, had a good chance to win the game in OT, but couldn't bury it, and then was part of the shootout. And like every other Canuck that took a shootout, 
not Brock Besser. He didn't take a shootout, yeah. but every other Canuck that took a shootout, um, you know, he didn't score. But I did think he was good, and it made me wonder. You know, if if there's one guy we talk about every game, I was kind of like, oh, maybe it's Kizmenko because what's going to happen with this guy in the next couple? As the trade deadline looms, he's in a different position now that the lotto line has been reunited. Yep. He's not either up with Petey or down on the fourth line. He's on a line with some legitimate NHL players. He's on a line with Pew Suter and Ilya Mikheyev. And I think it's been better for him. But eight goals on the season, is that what he's got overall? I think it, it would have been really, really nice. Obviously, but I think it would have been really, really nice if he could have been the hero in the game yesterday. Mm-hmm. He certainly had his chances. That chance in overtime, that you know, he looked like he he was on a man. He was a man on a mission in overtime, and he beat a Columbus Blue Jackets player. Went right to the net. Had a good shot. Unfortunately, Elvis the monster made the save. <laughs> And um, then he couldn't score in the shootout. I have no problem with the coach picking him for the shootout. I don't know about Pew Suter and JT Miller's attempt to look like tired. I don't know, but uh, regardless, I'm not but, gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna break down the shootout too much. But I really am curious about what's gonna happen with Kuzmenko. Well, I think I got a pretty good idea. Is that he's gonna remain uh, one of Rick Tockett's hate saying this negatively, but least favorite players on the active roster. I mean, Kuzmenko played barely. He played ten minutes against Buffalo. He's going to get packaged in a trade for Erickson. I think he's going to get traded. I think he's. I think he's going to be traded. I think he's, I think he's hard likely. to move. Yeah, but I think they have to move him if they want to make a significant trade because he represents the cap space that they're going to need to add a significant player. Otherwise, the other candidate is Tyler Myers, and I think Tyler Myers is a much more valuable player for the Canucks than Andre Kuzmenko right now. So for me, the biggest issue right now, look, we're still basically seven weeks away from the March 8th trade deadline. There's a lot of time, and there's a lot of things that can develop over those seven weeks, which could alter the landscape and perceptions and everything. But as it stands right now, it looks as though it's going to be really tough to move Kuzmenko because it's almost like the Canucks are going to be trying to do those like two-in-one type trades. Like, well, we're going to try and add to our team at the deadline going into this uh, possibly fruitful playoff run. Also, we want to get this bad money off the books. And it's just, you you look at that dynamic combined with, there's not a ton of suitors right now out there. There are some teams that are clearly in seller mode, right? Right. There's, but there's but not. You're ma- not selling Kuzmenko. You're including Kuzmenko in a deal. Plus, you're. But you I, have to throw in something else. But I think there's. Which is the, probably the. But main I think debate. there has to be an element of salesmanship on him because the team bringing him on oh, is for sure. is yeah. going to have to keep him around unless they turn around and flip him right away. It's a look. This is a distressed asset. You could you could write a good story about. That you'd be like, hey, remember last year? It wasn't that long ago. This guy had 39 goals. I mean, if you were to tell me, if you were Jim Rutherford and Patrick Elving together and you were to tell me that, I'd be like, okay, he's a distressed asset. Like, that, that's great. But it's well, also, yeah. but the, I mean, I would be, I would just kind of be side-eyeing you. You just want this money off your books so that you can go and load up at the deadline. But then they'd right? be like, yeah, yeah, obviously. <laughs> and then and then we say, okay, well, let's talk about the real deal here. What do you want from us? Yeah. Do you want the first round draft pick? Do you want one of our prospects, mm-hmm. right? Depending depending on the size of the, or the the significance of the player coming forward. All I'm saying is that you know I'm not taking Connor Garland off this roster. No, he's driving that that third line. Who else do you want to take off the roster? I, I mentioned Nils Hoglander as a possibility as that sweetener, and I still think it's possible. Some people lost their minds with that. 
But, you know, he doesn't represent any cap space, though. If you want to bring on a player with significant cap space and you want to avoid laundering him through multiple different teams, and don't forget, there's a lot of teams out there that will be like, I'm not retaining on this guy. Mm -hmm. So you find a way to do it. And be like, well, there's one way. Take this Kuzmenko guy, right? Like, it is it is, – I I just think that he represents – the most available potential cap space, and he represents the player that is, Babysitter. I don't want to say not going to be missed, but not going to be missed. Well, like Tyler a, Myers is playing a really important role for this team right you now. Brought I don't up trade a good him point. right now unless you're bringing in another veteran right shot D-man. You brought up a good point yesterday when Sat was in studio and said, like, if they were to go into the playoffs tomorrow, would Kuzmenko even be in the lineup? And it's a fair question to ask because... Uh, he doesn't necessarily play the way Rick Tockett wants everybody to play. Now, a text did come in to the Dunbar Lumber text line, 650-650. It's unsigned, so that means it's from Gary. Gary writes, just a thought on Kuzmenko. He's trying hard to play the way Tockett wants him to play, so he isn't able to cheat a bit to get as many offensive opportunities. This will be contributing to his reduced production. That's fine. You shouldn't have to cheat to get chances. That is a problem, Yeah, what he just said. That is not a good thing because... The Canucks are scoring a lot of goals, and one of the reasons they're scoring a lot of goals is they're not cheating. And he's on the hook for $5.5 million. Like, look at the production that he has given this year while, quote-unquote, learning how to play the right way. You don't pay $5.5 million for a guy that has eight goals at the midway point. It's too much mm-hmm. on a team that... Who does, who does nothing else, sorry. Right. right? Like, That's who does thing. nothing it's else. It's not like he's got great defensive plays. <laughs> trying to limit the rest of the offensive contributions that he has so he can be a above average, it's average, like, below average. Like, it's not good. It's like when Louis Erickson was with the team. He, he wasn't scoring, but at least you'd be like, you know what? He's a pretty good penalty killer. And you're like, but not for six uh, million. Empty netters, hello. Yeah, yeah right. He yeah. was the master. The, yeah. But that was the thing. Is there's you, an empty net. Put Louis out there. When there's bad money on the books, you either acknowledge it and try and move on like they did with Oliver ekman Larson, right? They didn't try and spin that and be like, well, he could be a you know, useful third pair defenseman. The other way you do it is the Louis Erickson thing, which is there were people doing mental gymnastics, trying to talk themselves into, well, he can be a, a closer uh, when they got the empty net or he can, or he can kill. And penalties. here comes Mariano Erickson, you know, like it, that, but those are really what ends up happening. Play understand, man. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> so. Your music, Louis. Um, okay, so real quick reset here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, Kristen Shilton is going to join us next. We're going to talk more NHL. If you're wondering why we haven't talked about the NFL yet, uh, we're going to do that mostly in the 7 o'clock hour. It's because Halford doesn't want to eat crow. I'm tripling down. <laughs> no, don't do that. He's ignoring that just, one Bucks fan. Just <laughs> admit. Just, we can do this right now. we got two minutes. Just admit. The Tampa Bay played really well against, uh, granted, albeit a collapsed Eagles team. I will. There was only Aren't one. Aren't you at least a little bit happy for Baker Mayfield? Oh, oh, oh wait, wait a minute. Did, did ba- Baker Mayfield get his swagger back? Because I didn't see anyone mention that over the last 48 hours. Oh, I'm hours. sorry. Does that bother you that someone is having success I've, after I've, some I've, early travails in his career? Uh, travails. Is that what he had? He just didn't play well. He, he lost his swagger, I suppose. But it's okay now because Baker. Maybe I don't know you if you heard this. Stubborn, or Stubborn, stubborn man. What, what well, if, you know what? what I never lost my swagger. Small and a small, small man. I what are you going to do if the Bucks win the Super Bowl? What? I don't need to worry about that, friend. Don't worry. <laughs> hey, you about know that. what? what There's a chance do? they beat the Lions. 
they are gone. Next, a, they're gone next week. Oh, they're gone next week. They okay. should have been gone this weekend, but they managed to find the only team that's worse than them at football, and that's the Philadelphia Eagles. This is such a huge this cheering is, point for me now. I hope I the am, Bucks so win. We are a I, Bucks yeah. show right now. Come on, Tampa Bay. We are any. Uh, there's 31 other teams in the NFL that we are we're, on board with. Uh, we're all called. We're all Baker Mayfield right now. I thought that was a really impressive performance by Tampa Bay and yeah, the Philadelphia. They, they took care of a team that put up nine points in a playoff game. Baker was yeah, cooking. One of the reasons was because they played really good defense. Oh, is that what was happening? Oh my God, you are you're like people always say like of the show that Bruff is the stubborn one. He's kind of like the the the, the guy that's like in a in a bad mood all the time. You cannot. I'm. I fully admitted that I got this Canucks team wrong this season, and I'm happy I got it wrong. I didn't expect them to be close to what um, they are right now. I I congratulated the Houston Texans, and I said I got the Cleveland Browns defense wrong. I thought that was going to be good, and then they went into Houston and they laid an egg. Why can't you just admit that Tampa Bay has had a pretty good season? Because I've not lost my swagger. <laughs> You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. It's his friend and bachelor, bachelor, bachelor. Live from Rogers Arena, calling Canucks games. It's his friend and bachelor, bachelor, bachelor. 804 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura Dealer. Today, we are in Hour 3 of the program. Hour 3 is brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Kintech, we have a pair of giveaways uh, that I need to readdress before we get to Brendan Batchelor very quickly here. One, it's the big football game prize pack, which includes a table for six, a $100 gift card, and the chance to hobnob with Sportsnet 650 personalities uh, at the Clayton Public House on Sunday, February 11th. Are you Dan Riccio? No, that's not me. Sunday, Are you Dan Riccio? You can ask everyone in the bar. <laughs> Eventually, I don't even know if right. Riccio's going. I think, well, he's got to be there now. We put his name out there. Oh, okay. um, we got to make stuff up about what they're going to be doing there. Like last year, yeah. when Randy fought a bear, apparently. <laughs> We yeah, make right. that up. Yes, Dan juggled chainsaws. Yeah. It was dangerous, but rewarding. He's going to swallow fire. <laughs> uh, so Sunday, February 11th, the big football game. If you want to win the prize pack, send in a what we learned, 650-650, hashtag it WWL, and a football emoji. We're also giving away tickets to see the Canucks and Leafs on Saturday, this Saturday, January 20th. If you want to win those tickets, put a ticket emoji into your text. Hashtag it, what we learned. Someone in the text inbox uh, gave us a heads up to check out the Leafs schedule over the next little while. Okay. They go, uh, they're in Edmonton tonight. Okay. <laughs> Tuesday. That's a tough game. Uh, they're in Calgary Thursday. That's a tough game. They're in Vancouver Saturday. That's the toughest game. And then they play back-to-back Sunday in Seattle. And then they return home for one against Winnipeg. And then they go to Winnipeg. That is a... Buzzsaw. I told we you were, guys. Because we were talking about, yeah. you know, could the Leafs fall out of a playoff position? <laughs> 
the way they're playing right now, they've lost three in a row. I don't know what the hell's going on in goal. I imagine Martin Jones is going to have to play all those games. The rest of the season, I think it's the third or fourth toughest schedule points percentage-wise in the NHL of oh, all God, the teams. I want, them, I want them to miss now so badly. Yeah, oh, I, for one, God. would relish I just the got opportunity. Inv- I just got invested in it. Yeah, I Very would invested. relish the opportunity to watch him collapse. Uh, let's go to the phone lines now. Our next guest will be on the call for that game on Saturday against the Leafs. It's Brendan Batchelor here on the Halford & Brush Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Batch? Good morning. How's it going? Uh, we're good. Uh, I'm assuming you're good. I'm assuming the Canucks are good because they're done with that lengthy road trip. They finished up in Columbus. They got to go home, and Rick Tockett said it was a hell of a trip. Uh, I'm assuming you would share the same sentiments after a 5-1-1 one, and one swing. Even though it was bookended with losses, still a pretty impressive performance from the Canucks over that trip. Oh, absolutely it was. And the fact that they beat all the the most challenging teams that you would have projected on that trip, right? Like the toughest games, the, the Rangers and, and the Devils, although the Devils were pretty injury-plagued, um, you know, and the Penguins, those, those are impressive wins for me. And the way they won them was very impressive. And, you know, yeah, they looked a little bit out of gas yesterday in Columbus after the long trip and all their, their travel snafus and everything like that. But Still found a way to get a point. Very well could have won that game as well. And then we'd be talking about a 6-1 and one trip. So 11 of a possible 14 points. Uh, you're never going to, you know, give those points back. You're never going to say, nah, we, we wish it would have been better. That's a, a really good road trip on your longest road trip of the season. And now you get to come home for five straight heading into the All-Star break. And to be honest, the the rest of the schedule is very home heavy. They've got a season long nine game homestand coming up in March, and um, you know, looking at that homestand at the start of the season, I I always said either that is going to be a great opportunity for them to solidify their position if they've had a good first portion of the season, or it's going to be a really long uh, homestand if they've had a tough first part of the season and they're out of the race, and they are certainly not out of the race leading the pack right now. So. Um, you know, you talk about how the Leafs schedule is tough. The fact, the fact that the Canucks have so many home games left this season, I think mm-hmm. is really going to play into their favor down the stretch. So the Canucks next five games against the surprising Arizona Coyotes on Thursday. Coyotes have been much better than everyone expected, although I'm still not sure you call them a good team. Then the Leafs come into town on Saturday, Monday. It was supposed to be Connor Bedard and the Chicago Blackhawks. It'll be the Chicago Blackhawks and nobody you'll recognize. Uh, and then St. Louis comes to town on Wednesday, and then they finish it up Saturday, January 27th against Columbus. They'll be looking for revenge against the Blue Jackets. And then, as mentioned, they go into the All-Star break, so they'll get some much-needed time off. Well, most of them will, although a lot of them will be headed to Toronto for the All-Star game. Um, I was thinking about this last night, and not to focus too much on the Pedersen contract, but... How much do you think Petey is looking forward to going to the All-Star game and doing like the media thing where he is going to be front and center and asked about his contract status? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he's looking forward to it tremendously, uh, <laughs> say, sarcastically. Like, <laughs> knowing Elias Patterson and knowing um, you know how much he he you know doesn't like to talk about that stuff and and you know is not the biggest fan of of his media obligations, shall we say? Um, you know, I, I will be very interested to see how he handles that weekend, assuming that there isn't any progress made between now and then in terms of his contract extension, because, mm-hmm. you know, the uh, the national media will ask him those questions. It will be something he has to 
talk about. Um, and, you know, to be honest, I'm kind of surprised that he hasn't had to talk about it more to this point in the season. And I think it comes back to something we talked about early in the year um, where I said, you know, if you win on the ice, the off ice storylines kind of go away because everybody wants to focus on how well you're playing on the ice. And I think that has happened, but the closer we get to the trade deadline and the longer it's, you know, the, the longer it goes without Pedersen having that extension in place, the more those storylines are going to come to the forefront because as much as this team has had a great season this season and, you know, everybody's excited for a potential playoff run and what are they going to do at the deadline to complement this core group, um, you know, you have to start thinking about where this core group is going in the, in the event that Pedersen does not stay in Vancouver and, and what management may have to do in terms of uh, figuring out his contract or potentially trying to move on from him if they're unable to figure out his contract extension. So, How dare um, you even suggest that? We would never do well, that on our show. How dare you? Are you just doing, <laughs> this is classic Brendan Bachelor clickbait. It's like you work for TMZ or something like that. What's going on, yes, Batch? Do you even suggest another, this? Another one of the negative Vancouver media, right? So, <laughs> um, no, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying if that is the way it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the hockey club, I think the hockey club would like answers about it. And we've seen that from their messaging over the last week that, um, you know, it it kind of affects how they approach the trade deadline to a certain extent. I'm sure it affects, you know, the other business they can get done in terms of extending Heronic and, you know, a lot of their depth players are pending free agents that will potentially be due for raises as well. Like Dakota Joshua and Teddy Bluger, just to name a couple. So, you know, the, the longer the Pedersen contract goes unsigned, the more it kind of prevents the Canucks from making some of those long-term decisions. And again, we'll see what Pedersen wants in the end. I know there have been, you know, rumors with varying degrees of legitimacy about what his desire is. But the Mm -hmm. fact of the matter is from Pedersen's mouth, he has never said he doesn't want to be in Vancouver, but at the same time, the longer he goes without signing the contract, the more of these questions are going to, fester and and continue to be a part of the narrative. Well, Pat Brisson said he was going to reach out to his client um, after this road trip um, when the Canucks were back home and see if he wanted to talk um, and there could be an opportunity to talk during that All-Star break. The Canucks play Saturday, January 27th and then don't play again until February 6th in Carolina. So there is a window, in theory, to have some talks. Um, Let's move on from the Pedersen situation. Um, and go right into the Kuzmenko situation because I actually thought he played pretty well yesterday in Columbus, and um, I think it was noteworthy that he actually played significant minutes in the third period and then got a shift in overtime and nearly scored. Now, I don't know if this is Rick Tockett looking at his team and going, man, everyone's so tired, I don't want to overplay any guys, so I'm just going to keep rolling the lines out there. Um, but I wonder more and more about this guy, Kuzmenko, because his cap space might be the cap space that the Canucks use to make improvements to the team ahead of the trade deadline. Agree? Yeah, I mean, I, I do just because, you know, if they need to find cap space, there's only so many places they can find it. And that's a, a pretty obvious place. You know, the the way the blue line's playing right now, I, I guess you could move off someone like, Tyler Myers to create a a similar amount of cap space. But that said, you know, you like the depth you've got on the blue line right now. I think him and Susie have played relatively well together. 
throughout this road trip. And, you know, you can never have too many defensemen, as we know, in Vancouver. So I'm not sure if that's the guy I'm looking to move. And so, you know, if you need to, you know, create a significant amount of cap space to bring in an impact player, and we've heard Jim Rutherford talk about hoping to acquire a top six forward, then, you know, there's there's only so many directions they can go. And, and to me, it really points to the fact that they might have to move off Andre Kuzmenko, which is not something I ever thought I would be saying coming off his 39-goal <laughs> season last year. But at the same time, I never thought I'd be talking about the Canucks at the top of the NHL standings in January, and, and that's where we are. So um, life moves fast, as Jason Botchford used to say. And uh, for Kuzmenko, I think uh, it's moved fast in the wrong direction here, where it is, to me, now a legitimate thing that we could see before the deadline that Kuzmenko is no longer a Vancouver Canuck. And, you know, as much as I agree that, you know, he's played a little bit better over the last couple of games, he still doesn't have any points in eight games playing on what is essentially the second line. And, you know, at some point you look at that spot in the lineup and you say, is Tockett going to trust Kuzmenko in key moments down the stretch and into the playoffs? Uh, Is Kuzmenko going to start producing or is this just a, a down year for him? And is there someone else that they could put in that spot that would give them more offensive pop than what Kuzmenko has been able to give them. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. There's still a a long way before the deadline and lots of things that could change and Kuzmenko could heat up and figure things out. And, you know, you never know what could happen, but standing here right now, trying to figure out how they'll create enough salary cap flexibility to bring in a relatively impactful forward the you know the all all signs seem to point to a guy like Kuzmenko as someone they might have to move on from. If you had your choice, would the Canucks add a center or a winger? Uh, a center, but I also think that that is much harder to get done in the you know the the trade market prior to the trade deadline, unless you're willing to go for a a pure rental. Which at this point, you know, with the way this team has played, you might as well. Um, but I'm not sure what the organization wants to prioritize in terms of do they want someone that maybe they could keep around here long term um, or are they just going to try and focus on making this team this year as good as it possibly can be to, you know, try and go on as long of a playoff run as possible because, you know, there are guys that that could be on the market, you know, uh, Elias Lindholm you know, kind of jumps to mind as someone that might fit into that spot pretty well. But with the Canucks salary cap situation, it's probably not something that you could expect that they would be able to extend Lindholm long term with some of the other contracts they have to get done. So um, I think we'll learn a lot about what management is prioritizing if and when they do make a move to bring in a forward, because there are, are different ways they could go in terms of bringing in a player that they might think could fit here for longer than just this year, or whether they say, look, let's just go for a rental and then we'll sort everything out after the season based on what happens and, and what shakes loose with some of our other contracts. Batch, this was great, man. Thanks a lot for taking the time to do this. We really appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the next couple of days off and uh, have a good call on Thursday against Arizona. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Talk next week. Yeah, thanks, Bratz. We appreciate it. That's Brendan Batchelor, play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks right here on the Halford and Ruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Okay, uh, we're going to do some what we learns. I've got some. I've got multiple. Laddie's got some. Do you have some, Bruff? Or are you? I have one. Okay, I'm going to start, and then Bruff's going to go. And I think we're going to go to Laddie after the break when we reset, and then we're going to give away all this cool stuff that we have for the listeners. Uh, I've actually got a two-parter. They're kind of related, 
but kind of not. Anyway, the first thing I learned is that um, the Tampa Bay Lightning are unveiling a Gasparilla-themed jersey in time for the festivities later this month. Does everyone know what this is? Is everyone familiar with this? I know you are, because we were down there for it. Oh, remind me. Tampa Bay. The pirate thing? The pirate thing. Right, okay. In a, it, it kind of, I think it's more of a, a localized thing. I'm not sure a lot of people know about, but um, Tampa is deeply into pirates. They love pirates. They love pirates. I mean, it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers yeah, for Buccaneers. a reason. Yeah. yeah, and I didn't realize this, but this is all just like mythical folklore. Like, there's not an actual history of pirates coming and invading mm-hmm. off the coast or whatever. They just really are into pirates. So every January... They have this Gasparilla Festival. There's got to be a pirate story in Florida. Go look it up. It's, just, it's all folklore. Oh, it's all folklore. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Um, and when you go down there, if you don't know what's happening, one day you'll wake up in your hotel room and it'll be, why is everyone dressed up like Long John Silver? What's going on here? Why is this happening? And they really lean into it. It's pirate cosplay. So the um, Tampa Bay Lightning, and I've seen the jerseys. For as weird, and I'm not like, <laughs> I'm not really into like pirates. <laughs> yeah. This chair be high, says I. Um, I can see you being into this, Andy, yes. as a matter of fact. I like pirates. Sure. They're right? fun. I did go. I mean, not the real ones. When I was mailing. Off the coast of Africa, they're quite dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm the captain now. You guys pirate. are a lot now more dangerous than I thought you'd be. I was expecting a good time with, with pirates and sea shanties. Yeah. Less yeah. Uh, poking. Incredibly less jolly than I, I expected I this have to have be. A, I have a question. Where's the parrot? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Rough getting stopped by <laughs> seaside pirates. Yeah. You know, you guys are nothing like the movies Clint make you out to be. He's wearing an eye patch, but it's actually for medical purposes. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> now I'll say this: the jerseys are pretty cool. Go check them out. The Tampa Bay Lightning just said, did their big like unveiling. I'm not a jersey person or a pirate person by trade, so you know that the fact I'm bringing this up means that they're kind of cool. Okay, Mookow, that part of it. Now I learned another, that Halford is not a pirate person. Another NHL story that I didn't see coming. Um, <laughs> The Chicago Blackhawks have just signed Jason Dickinson to a two-year extension. It's worth almost $9 million. Oh, good for him. That's I've awesome. I've never man. seen a better and more yeah, improbable sweet. career turnaround. Yeah. I remember when Jim Benning made that trade to get him. Mm-hmm. And even when it didn't work out, I still defended it because I was like, conceptually, <laughs> it should have worked. It should have worked. <laughs> like, he's not a bad hockey player. Yeah. He fit exactly what they needed in the 3 C role. It just mm-hmm. didn't work. Yeah. It's the great, like, we've said this countless times about guys. Sometimes Sometimes they go somewhere, and maybe it's because they got separated from their stuff and they're not comfortable, but they go to a city and it just doesn't work. I always remember asking Yannick Hansen why it just didn't work in San Jose when he got traded there, yeah. and his answer was, I have no idea. <laughs> Years later, he yeah. said, I think about it all the time, and I just don't know why it didn't work. Chem- it, chemistry, you know? He's like, there were chemistry, guys. Chemistry, fit, he's, he's confidence. Like, they played me with a bunch of different forwards. We tried everything. There were really good hockey players for me to play with. Right. Pavelski, Marlowe, Thornton. Mm-hmm. How, but there's guys that jump into new teams and take off running. So how can you be like, ah, when they do bad, it's chemistry. And when they do well, it's they got chemistry. Maybe we can ask Jason. We should chase Jason Dickinson. Has enough time passed? Did he come back on Vancouver? That means try to get him for an interview, not like chase him around. Yeah, like ask him. Jason, come back. Hey, hey, Jason. Hey, you know, you just signed a contract, but come back. Yeah, ask him for money. He's quicker than he looks. Uh, So he, like, here's the thing. For as low as it got here, he's now cashed in, got a two year extension. I think it's $4.25 million annually. 
He's probably going to go to the All-Star game, right? Because Connor Bedard's not going to be able to make it. So Dickinson seems like the most likely guy. He has more goals this year than John Tavares and Matthew Kachuk. Mm-hmm. It's a great story. So. Isn't he like their first-line center, though? He's everything. Not? He's yeah. the face of the franchise for the next. <laughs> uh, on that note, Connor Bedard resumed skating yesterday. Yeah. Apparently but those he, are the types of guys you need around, right? You need those veteran a, guys. Yeah. Well, yeah, and he's actually healthy. All the other veteran guys, they either got their contracts terminated <laughs> or injured. So. Skating with a broken jaw. Okay, give yeah. us a moo cow on those back-to-back what we learned. Ah. Boom. Uh, for Don't fall in your face. Don't fall in your face. Don't um, fall in your face. That's the entire time Bedard was skating. That's what he was yeah, they, he, he, uh, Luke Richardson said he was begging the doctors to go skate. So mm. they were like, fine, <laughs> but you got to wear this protective helmet. You can't eat solids yet, but... They yeah. were like, you're not allowed to do slap shots because you're not allowed to, quote-unquote, clench. Looking good out there, Connor. What was that? What? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you idiot. We made, a hor- job. we made a huge mistake. Okay, go. Uh, I learned that uh, Heisman Trophy winning quarterback Caleb Williams has formally entered the NFL draft. He's going to leave USC after two seasons there. And he is expected, although not guaranteed, but expected to be the first overall pick in the draft. The question is, what did the Chicago Bears do with that draft pick? They got a, look, they traded out last year. It worked great. Mm-hmm. Trade out again. But what if Justin Stick Fields... Stick with Justin Fields. Yeah. That's a really tough decision. That's Sel- a really tough decision. Selfishly, I want Fields to shake loose so Seattle can get him. Right. right. Then Mike yeah. Rabel comes in as the new head coach. Justin Fields is the new mm. quarterback. I'm excited at that point. There'd be a market for Geno, wouldn't there? Yeah. Gino would land somewhere for He'd, sure. I mean, it would land somewhere. Gino, I don't know how it would I know, work contractually with the Seahawks. I know 1,000% isn't mathematically possible, mm. but he would 1,000% have a job. I don't know if he'd be a starter, Yeah, but he'd be brought in maybe as you compete or you're the trusty. You'd be hard-pressed to find a more trusty backup. Than so Gino. one of the things with the Seahawks moving on from Pete Carroll is that it throws the quarterback question right up in the air because, and we've talked to Brady Henderson about this, if Pete had been back, Gino's probably back because those two had a yep, great relationship, and Pete um, respected Gino a lot. He liked his leadership. He, he liked his story. Um, he liked him as his quarterback, and he wanted him to be his quarterback. But now, with the quarterback or the head coaching question up in the air, so too is the quarterback in question. You know what I really um, don't like the carousel this offseason. I mean, it's always crazy, right? With teams needing quarterbacks and they decide, all right, are we going to draft one? Are we in the position to draft one and have one, you know, elite guy joining the team? Or do we um, do we stick with our guy or do we um, go out uh, onto the market and get um, you know, a guy that maybe has underachieved, maybe like a Baker Mayfield type of story, that sort of thing. Um, it's going to be just as crazy as it always is. And it for me, it kind of starts with what happens in the draft, and Caleb Williams will be part of the draft. Give me a moo cow on that. You had something you wanted to uh, add. Um, I am terrified about all these things that I'm hearing and reading about how much affinity John Schneider has for Drew Locke. I don't like that at all. I don't like it at all. Yeah. Like, the, the dream vision is Mike Vrabel as the head coach and uh, Justin Fields is the quarterback next mm. year. I don't trust Drew Locke anytime he goes back. Like, I know he had that comeback, and everyone was like, that was great. And I loved his story because he hadn't played for a while, and then he goes in and has success. But I'm like, Ugh. You might say that Drew Locke rediscovered his swagger. I would rather Baker Mayfield <laughs> than Drew Locke as my quarterback. He yeah. unlocked 
his Matt Ladner, ah, what we learned. None of you will watch Justin Fields play football. He's terrible at it. He's not terrible at it. Come on, He's dude. not terrible at it. Come on. Matt Ladner. But the question is, Come can on. he... Can he? You know who's um, terrible at it is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> can, he, can he sharpen up his game and kind of n- knock it off with some of those weird decisions that he makes? But he's definitely not terrible. And there's a lot of play. Bears fans that watch him, Matt and Lander, every day, and they're saying, trade this pick. We should keep Justin Fields. I'm willing to put a little bit of his development at the feet of the Chicago Bears organization with the terrible coaching and yeah. the constant change of OCs and head coaches and everything else. Well, the la- lack of wide receivers for most of his tenure. Yeah, and they got DJ Moore and yeah. it got better. They mm-hmm. were better this year. He was yeah. better this year. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff.